John 1. And I think most of you maybe got them a few weeks ago. We had um, an outline of the Gospel of John um, in the lobby. There may still be a one or two left in there. Uh, and you grab one on your way out. We won't be going through the outline today or anything, but um, we've taught on the Apostle John, on who he was as a writer um, that God used. And now we're going to be actually getting into the text, um, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just are grateful for your word that you've given us, that we may be able to grow thereby, and help us to learn from your word, and really help us just to really lift up the name of Jesus, to um, see you high, see you lifted up, to see you glorified um, through our lives and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, right here from the get-go... The Apostle John writes, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, it's very close to the beginning of what Genesis 1.1 said. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That Almighty God was the Creator. And then John, speaking of the same God, the only God that there is, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That the Word was God. And you know what you see in the creation? You know what it talks about how it's um, the evening and the morning was the first day, the evening and that we see that it says that God said, let there be light. And there was light. That God in his word spoke everything into existence. Hebrews 11.3 says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You know, like Jesus being that word, that speaking of when it says God said, and that the worlds, not just the earth, but all the worlds, all the planets were framed by the word of God. And they're sustained by the power of his word. And so here we see that the Bible says, the word was with God. And this word was with God. And it says the same was the, in the beginning with God. That the word 
prayed in John chapter 17. Share with me um, thine glory, which we have shared before the foundation of the world. You know, before there was us. Before there was planet Earth. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit had a sweet fellowship. You know, sometimes people will say, preachers will say, I've said it before, that you know it, God created us because he needed somebody to love. You know, it's not true. They already had a love for one another. The Bible says God is love. And you know, any other between them before the foundation of the world. That God didn't create us because he was lonely. He created us because he loved us. He created us for his pleasure and for his glory. You know, some people, oh, that's so egomaniac. Create something for their own pleasure. You know, I do stuff for my children because I love them. But it also gives me pleasure in loving them. That's not being selfish. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing things for my children because I love them. But it does give me pleasure as well. And you know what? God created us for his pleasure, for his glory. And we understand that for the worlds were framed by the word of God. You know, not only does the Bible say in the beginning was the Word, and the same was in the beginning with God, but the Bible says that the Word was God. The Word was God. Now, the New World Translation, the Jehovah Witnesses, the um, Arians, that are basically just modern-day Arians. Arian was a heretic from um, soon after the Bible, about three later and they taught that Jesus was a lesser God not the one true God but a lesser God that Jehovah used to create the world 
but that he was not God himself. And they taught that Jesus did not physically resurrect from the dead either. You know, sometimes people get upset when you say Jehovah Witnesses aren't Christians. But anyone that rejects the bodily resurrection of Jesus is not a Christian. You, you, you can't have it both ways. You know, my um, stepsister, she called herself a Gnostic Christian. She said that there's, there's no hell, there's no heaven, uh, and that Jesus did not really physically rise from the dead. And I go, you're using terms that don't go together. You can't say you're a Gnostic and say you're a Christian. Because Gnostics reject everything that Christianity stands for. And they say Jesus was not even really crucified. That he did not become flesh. That he just appeared as if he was in flesh. But that he always stayed a spirit. And that it just looked like he was crucified. That it looked like he was in flesh. You know, the Bible says that the word was God. Not like the New World Translation that says the word was a God, lowercase g. You try to say, you know what, there's a multiplicity. But the Bible teaches there is but one God. Only one God, but yes, consisting of three persons. Go ahead and turn you first John. It's one of the most Attack verses in the Bible. Scholars want to get rid of it. Different religions want to get rid of it. Some of the Bibles completely take it out. And they'll leave notes and say these are not in the oldest and best manuscripts. When there is proof that is in before the Vatican, is before the Sinaiticus, translated in other languages, in the old Latin, not the Latin Vulgate, but the old Latin, and I think it's even in the Latin Vulgate as well, but um, in, in earlier versions, translations of the Bible in other languages, it is found. But it was only really in the last 200 years where the self-proclaimed scholars Say, this does not belong in the Bible. I'm thankful for a God that promised that he would preserve his word for us and that we don't need to follow the same trap that Eve fell in when Satan said, Yea, have God said, to cast doubt on God's word. You know what, here we're not just hearing some kind of vocal voice come to us like, is that God, or is that the drugs that someone's been taking, or what is that? But we have the completed revelation of God's word. And so we have no need to doubt. 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. And this is how the Word is able to both be with God and to be God. Because the Father, the Word is with God, and the Word was God. And with the Trinity, they will be God, and He's able to be with God. 
people will point to verses in the Bible where Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? To say, hey, you know what? Maybe Jesus isn't God because he's saying God is his God. Yes, the Father is his God. But he is God too. You know, in Hebrews 1.8, the Father says unto the Son, thy throne. Forever and ever. And as the Trinity, we may not understand everything about it, but usually we really make it more difficult than it really is. But even the parts we don't understand, you know, we're not responsible in the sense of, um, why there may be things I don't quite understand, but God's word says it. And so that's why we're to believe it. That God has said it for us. Not man, but God has said it. And sometimes God will tell us things, and I think he does give a bunch of explanation about it. But there's some, sure, no doubt, still a mystery. But we still believe it. There are times I'll tell my children things, and they don't understand why in every fashion. And they don't always need to know why right away. You know, so you may get questions from your kids. Dad and mom, how does this happen? You know, and maybe there's times it's not time yet to tell them. But they trust you. They trust you at your word. And now make sure you're not the parent that always just says, because I said so. Yes, there's a time, there's a place for that. You know, a, children, a child that is just always asking why, 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 and, and, and in a fashion where they want, they're questioning you, they're rebelling against your authority, that may be what you tell them. But so often our children end up leaving the faith, so to speak, because we never explain to them why. We never explain the whys in the Bible. We never explain the hows. You know, they want to learn. Use that time to teach them the word of God. Bible says in 1 John. I mean, not 1 John, but in John. Again, that all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Everything there is was made by Jesus, who is called the Word. Another group, okay? Mormons, Mormonism. They teach that, you know what, Elohim, that God... The Father created Jesus and created Satan, and that they were his offspring, and that they were, they were brothers. Now, the Bible says the word, all things were made by him. And what's it talking about in Ezekiel? That in the days that thou was created, speaking of Lucifer, speaking of Satan, that Satan had a beginning, and Jesus was his creator, and then Satan got puffed with pride and wanted to be Christ himself. You know, the Bible says, If any man bring not the doctrine of Christ, receive him not 
into your house. And that's why we don't just say all these other groups are Christian. When they teach a different gospel. The apostles warned, though we or an angel preach any other gospel unto you, believe it not. That we have a much more sure word of prophecy. That we have the word of God to go by. We don't need to wait for some kind of revelation or some kind of prophet to come. We got the completed word of God. Go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, speaking of the Word, speaking of Jesus, who says, Who is the image of the invisible God? Verse, chapter 1, verse 15. The firstborn of every creature. Now, some will go to the firstborn and say, See, this is this, Jesus is the first creation. But the term firstborn isn't being used in that type of context. It's being used to show, to picture that the firstborn would have the preeminence. That he would be before all. That, you know what, culturally, that often the Jews, you know what, the firstborn would be the one getting the majority of the inheritance, if not all of it. They would have the preeminence. And so he's the firstborn of every creature, means that he is preeminent above all creation. And see it goes on. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. All things means all things. Everything that's in heaven, everything that's on earth, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. There's that word there, preeminence. And okay, the firstborn from the dead. Okay, it didn't mean that he was the first one to die. But that he was the first one by his own power, by his own ability to rise from the dead. Yes, Jesus, we see that he rose others from the dead. He rose Lazarus from the dead before he himself died and rose again. But that was by his power. Lazarus didn't just arise. But by the voice of Jesus, by the word of God. And so we see that Jesus is preeminent above all things. He created all things, and as for him, all things were created. We see that God alone is the forgiver of sin. We see that Jesus is the forgiver of sin. You know, in Isaiah 43, 25, the Bible says, speak, God speaking, it says, I, even I, am he that blot out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. And you know, when Jesus went and said unto someone, 
thy sins be forgiven thee. That the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the other accused them of blasphemy. For how is that to be as a man forgivest For him proclaiming himself to be God by forgiving sin. And Jesus went on. Matthew 9, 2 says, Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sake of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Praise God. The word was with God. And the word was God. And the word has power to forgive us of our sins. And that's only possible through the person of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 6 says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Be blasphemy for any other man to claim would be God. But not for Jesus. Because he is equal with God the Father. Because he is God. Hebrews 12, 23 Tells us that God, the judge of all. You know, the reason people reject God, they want to convince themselves that they came through this random process of evolution, is because they do not want to give in return to an almighty God. Because if, if they acknowledge that there is a God, then well, you know what? You'd want to change their life. They, they, they reject God over and over. And I don't get atheistic organizations. I understand okay, if someone just said they don't believe God my left, but then you join an atheist organization and go around the world proclaiming that God is dead. They don't believe God because God is dead. All kinds of things. He is. He did die, but he rose again. Amen. But um, they say they don't believe in God and they try to convert Christians to atheism. Why? Does that just make you feel good to build this big empire of people that believe the same as you do? Like, why waste your life? If, it, if believing in God helps someone in their own life, why would you want to try to convince them that God isn't real? Why? No, I try to convince that God is real, people that God is real, that Jesus is the way, because he is the only way for salvation. He is the only way for eternal life. But if atheism is true, you know it, we but all but men and we die. What's the point of trying to convince one otherwise? They'll find out eventually either way. But we want to tell people about Jesus, because yes, indeed, they will find out eventually one way, but we don't want them to have to hear the words where Jesus says, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew thee. Jesus is the judge. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.1, The Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Now the Old Testament and the New Testament said that God was the judge. But the Bible box says Jesus is the judge in John 5, 22. It says, For the Father judge of no man, but have committed all judgment unto the Son. Another verse showing the deity of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says only God is the supreme judge. But then the 
Bible says the Father isn't the judge. But that he's committed all judgment unto the Son. And that there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Jesus, the Word, the Word of God, shared glory with the Father and the Holy Spirit before the foundation of the world. But here is probably the greatest miracle ever. Okay, you know, there was a time. There, or there has never been a time when the Word wasn't God. There wasn't a time when the word wasn't God or when. But there was a time when he was not in the form of man. Well, a miracle is that God would become man so he could save us from our sins. He did not make a brief visitation. He dwelt among us. In John 1 verse 14, and the word was made flesh. Who's the Word? You know what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that was what was made flesh. There's no getting around it. Jesus was God. And He was made flesh and dwelt among us. Gnosticism, again, docetism, or docetism, one or the other, docetism or docetism, okay? But it's to believe that Jesus' physical body was just an illusion. It was his crucifixion. That is, again, Jesus only seemed to have a physical body, but they taught that flesh was evil in of itself and that he did not become flesh. We know what John would later write in 1 John 1, 1. That was, was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. That they, John recognized that they had the word with them. That he dwelt among us. They saw him. And Peter even says, yes, we were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. But you know what you have? He says, a more sure word of prophecy. You don't have to just go by our eyewitness account, but you can know that Jesus is the truth by the scriptures. That by seeing prophecy made and prophecy fulfilled over time. And John wrote in his next epistle, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is coming of flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Who's that teach that Jesus was not God in the flesh? The Bible calls him a deceiver. Calls him an antichrist. If you don't like it where... Um, we sometimes will call out and show that, you know what, a religion teaches a false gospel. You know what, it's what the apostles did all the time. Now our focus isn't like, hey, you know, we're a better church than they are. Okay, that's not our focus. Our, our, our focus is not to lift ourselves up, but to lift Jesus up. To lift the word up. To lift the word of God up. And Jesus was the heart 
false gospel. The religion of Christ is it's done. That he was nailed to the cross. That he bore our sins upon him. That he died and that he rose again. Salvation is something that's done. That all we need to do is believe the gospel. Did someone ask Jesus, what must we do that we might do the works of God? They're looking at works. Jesus said, okay, if you're going to look at his works, it's believe on him whom he have sent. It's faith. The Bible says, he that cometh not before God with faith, it's impossible to please him. We must come to God by faith. Christians, just want to ask you, do you honor Jesus as the Lord of your life? Hey, we've already declared, we've already seen from the Word of God that Jesus is the Word of God. That He is Lord. That His apostles came up to Him and said, Master. And He said, does He say, well, for I am your Lord. I am question isn't, is he Lord? The Bible is clear that the Word was with God and the Word was God. But with your life, with your words, do you honor him as if he is here? Are you living your life like I'm here in church? Come, I come assemble. I know it's a work I'm supposed to do. Can't get you saved. Now, I want to be in church. You know what, like the psalmist said? I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of God. I love coming to the house of God, the church assembling together. That can't get us salvation. It's through faith. But we are to be in church. And so, is church something that's important to us? You know, Jesus established the church. The church is Jesus' bride. The church is whom Jesus died for. If it's important to Christ, if he's the Lord of our life, I think church would be important to us. Could have all kinds of excuses why we're not here. Doesn't I mean yeah, for you not maybe not going to be here every week. You may be on vacation one week. I mean, seek out a church to go to here. We got a visitor here from out of town. She came to be in God's house. Came to here 
the word of God. To not use being on vacation or away as being a reason to be out of church. Before the creation of all things, Christ was eternally the word. It's the word. Jesus is the ultimate communication of God. Before there was time, before there was earth, water, earth, fire, God had determined to communicate with us. Have you been using your opportunity to communicate back to God? You know, so often the time we pray most is when we're in the hospital. Hey, Joel, Joel, when you're in the hospital, spend time in prayer. You can't be at work. You're stuck. Okay? Be in prayer. Be in the work. But let not that be like, oh, wow, I don't ever do this. Let it be in your regular life. I was talking with a Christian a couple of weeks ago out of town, and he was just being honest. said, I'm discouraged. You know what? I haven't been in the Word for a long time. I guess someone that they've been a deacon in a church, faithful servant, amazing soul winner, bold in the faith, going door to door to people they've never met before, sharing the gospel with them. You know what? Just be honest. I'm discouraged. I haven't been in the world. And as he was telling me that, it kind of dawned on him that, you know what? That's why I'm discouraged. You know what? I don't have the word of joy in my life. Yes, God is preeminent, but he has not been preeminent in my life and how I've been living. God's made access that we could speak to him. We don't need to come to the preacher to talk to God. You don't have to come to me and say, Pastor, I want God to hear me, so could you pray this for me? No. You don't have to go as some Roman Catholic saint and say, Hey, could you tell this to Jesus for me? There's one mediator between God and man. Jesus is the way that he's given us bold access to the throne of grace. That we could come because of what Jesus did for us. Let me just ask again, is the gathering of Christ's church important to you? You know, you're here, so I hope it is important to you. Okay. But many have said, I don't need church, I study the Bible for myself. And that really is just evidence that they do not actually study the Bible for themselves. Because if they did, they would see the importance of being a part of a local assembly. To be a part of a local church. Whether that be a church meeting in this building, church meeting in a home, wherever it may be. A church meeting in a cave, wherever it may be. Church is important to God, and it should be on our priority list as well. Philippians 2.9 says, Wherefore God also have highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. That one day, everybody, believe, 
Jesus, when they worship him, Jesus never rebuked them. One day, every knee is going to bow. And they will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. You know, in Jesus, in the word was life. In John chapter 1, verse 10, it says, He was in the world and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. The world was made by him. And he was in the world. But so many believed not on him. Received him not. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But he said that he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Go ahead and open your Bible to Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, verse 24. This is the Apostle Paul. He goes to a group of pagans that are making this sacrifice and saying this to the unknown God. Paul recognizes that they don't know who God, the true God is. And he tells them in verse 24 of chapter 17. God that made the world. And all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. You see, the people were being too superstitious. In verse 22 it said, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you. But you see, they would worship this worship 
their worship in false gods, but they're saying to the unknown that they would have their god that they would identify. The different gods of Athens, the different myths that they believe in, but they didn't want to miss out just in case there was one other god. So they had this description to the unknown god. And that was Jesus Christ who they did not know. And this is who Paul um, declared to him and preached to him and said, you know what, Jesus, you know what, he's not in this temple that you're eating you go to. It's not in the gifts, the sacrifices, the offerings that you offer. God is not going in temples in that fashion. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But anything they make with their hands, that is not God. However precious the stone may be, however valuable it may be, it means nothing to God. It's not him. He created the elements that man made it with. God made the world and the things therein. Dwell of not in temples made with hands, neither is he worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything. See, and he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And have made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. You know, we're all born in a certain culture, a certain part of the world. So you know what? God had that all set up. The bounds of our habitation. But he says that we're all men that come from the same blood. That we are of one blood. That's why racism stinks in the nostrils of God. That, you know what? God created all men. Black man, white man, everywhere, one in between. You know what? We're all descend from Adam and Eve man and woman created by God. That they, and he, say, okay, he says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might fill after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being is certain also of your own poets have said for we also are, we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like a new God, or gold, or silver, or stone, graven by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now command of all men everywhere to repent, because he have appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he have ordained. Whereof he have given assurance unto all men, and that he have raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. And then certain men clave unto him and believe. There's a day. There is a day appointed that we will be judged by that man that is called the Word of God. Commands all men everywhere to repent. That God has given assurance to the world, all over the world, 
of Jesus Christ and that he died and that he rose again. He dwelleth not in temples made with hands, but he is our source of life. Sarah, if you could please come clear play a song of invitation. You know, like Jesus knows by experience our sufferings. You know, before God was made flesh, manifest in the flesh, God knew all about our sufferings. But by becoming flesh, he experienced our sufferings. He experienced our weakness. Where we're frail. Hebrews 2.16 says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself have suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. That means that he's able to help those. He's able to intercede. He's able to understand what we've gone through when we've been tempted of our sin. Hebrews 4.15 goes on, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the filling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. Jesus suffered temptations just like we did, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The piano player. Just reflect on that or that the Lord became because the Lord became flesh and dwelt among us. And he went through life knowing the struggles that we have. The Lord is so familiar with our
talk to someone in church and we'll show you more clearly from the Bible how you could have eternal life. Titus 2.13 says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to that day. The great appearing of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I'm looking forward to the day you come. But there's still many that don't know you. May, we, may you, Lord, use us to proclaim the name of Jesus, to proclaim your name. To tell others about you that they may know you and have eternal life. So grateful for what you've done for us. You died for us. You rose again. You bore the wrath of the Father that we don't have to. That you were bruised for our iniquities. Not of any fault of your own. That we may have your righteousness. We just believe the gospel. So many rejected because the gospel message is so simple. They think that can't be the way and they try to earn it by their works. But then they fall short because none of us can be perfect. Lord, I pray that your spirit will work on people's hearts. That you will draw them to yourself. Lord, I ask that if there's someone in here that does not know you as their Savior, your spirit will be speaking to him all night, all day, bringing conviction until they come to a place, to a point where they surrender and say, Jesus, I want you. I believe in you. I receive you as my Savior. They may have eternal life and have that peace that passes all understanding that they may then rest quietly they may have that peace. And Lord, we just want to thank you also for the mail that's been provided next door. People that help prepare it. We ask for your blessing upon the food, the fellowship, as well as our time that we'll discuss different ideas for preparing for our vacation Bible school coming up in August. Let's pray, Lord, be a wonderful time with the body together, just kind of sharing different ideas and be able to formulate a plan to put in action. We ask, Lord, that you would use the Vacation Bible School for children to get saved. For children to get saved that will then lead to their parents getting saved. And then getting baptized and becoming a part of this church. May we see your church built up and lifted up. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Shake hands, fellowship, be friendly, and potluck and food's right over next door. If you didn't bring anything, don't worry about it. Come on over and get some food, amen.